Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. This is the Lombardi Line with Michael Lombardi and Patrick Maher on VSIN. We begin hour number two of the Lombardi line. Dave Ross alongside Michael Lombardi. And, Michael, I am always fascinated by the soap opera that is the NFL. And you mentioned it off the top of the show. I'm not sure what grade we're in. But I'll tell you that when I was in eighth grade, Kim Daly invited me to the Sadie Hawkins Day dance. And I said no because I was going stag. I was going to go with my boys and be cool. Regretted that decision ever since. Very soap opera. Kim's gone on. She's married. Lovely woman in Virginia Beach. I'm still single. Russell Wilson has scrubbed the Seattle Seahawks from his IG. He scrubbed them off the face of social media. I've seen Kyler Murray do this in Arizona. I don't know what to make of this because, to your point, I don't know why you would take the energy to try to be cool for school and do these kind of overt things that people then would then bring to a show to talk about. Like, why would Russell Wilson do this? Does he really want out? Because his guys are still there. Pete Carroll, Schneider, they're still there, right? They're still running the operation in Seattle. His guys. Do you think Russell really wants out? And if so, what would be the asking price to go get him out? Well, first of all, let's put things in perspective. Not only is is Pete Carroll there, but Shane Waldron, who was his hand-picked offensive coordinator. This is who Russell wanted to bring in. I mean, they went to him. They included him in this decision, and this is who he wanted. So not only does he have his, his head coach that he's been around, John Schneider, the general manager who drafted him, now he's got his offensive coordinator. This is all about money. I mean, Russell's 34 years old. He's due to make $19 million next year. He's got a $5 million roster bonus. And then in 23, he makes $22 million with another $5 million. So basically, you know, he's got essentially $51 million coming to him over the next – $53 coming to him over the next two years. Fairly a light contract. Certainly easy to trade the contract. They have $38 million of cap room. So not only do they have the opportunity to improve their team with their cap, they have a quarterback who's at the, you know, will be 35 at the end of the contract who they feel like is, is going to be good economic value. Now, they have two decisions. Do you trade this really good contract? Okay, so let's go down that road. Let's trade them. Who are we getting to play quarterback for us? We know that Jody Allen, the owner of the Seattle Seahawks, had a meeting with a lot of the front office and the coach and Pete Carroll. And basically, everyone knows uh, in the Pacific Northwest that this will be Pete needs to deliver. Pete fired some really close friends. Ken Norton, he loves Ken Norton, Mm -hmm. fired him. Mike Solari, the offensive line coach, he goes back with him a long, long way. Got rid of Mike Solari. Pete did some things that were un-Pete-like. And not that I don't think he should have done them. I'm just saying I think he understands the situation at hand. So every time you say, well, trade Russell Wilson, 
then finish the sentence by saying who's going to play quarterback for Seattle. It's not Geno Smith. I'll just give you the heads up on that. Right. So who is it going to be? I mean, this today, uh, the ESPN had their mock draft. They have two quarterbacks going in the mock draft. You talk to anybody inside the league working on the drafts, no one that I talk to thinks there's a quarterback that's worthy of, the first, of a first-round pick, let alone a top-ten pick. Now, you know, the, 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 the mocks in February and March are so unreliable because of the combine hasn't happened and all that. The reality here is there is no quarterback. There's no quarterback that they're going to be able to get. Washington's desperate to find one. Mike mm-hmm. Norse guy, Mitchell Trubisky, is liable to get a huge contract. <laughs> the problem is when you trade for a quarterback and you still need one or you sign a quarterback and still need one, it proves to be fruitless. So before we decide where's Russell going to go, let's start with who's going to play quarterback for Seattle if they trade Russell. The 35 to one to win the Super Bowl, 16 to one to win the NFC next year. I really liked Michael. You and I talked about it throughout the season. I once he came back from injury, and they started running the football with Penny. That was really that's the way Pete Carroll wants to play, and I don't know if that's the way Shane Waldron wants to play. I don't know if that's the way Russell Wilson wants to play, but that's when they're the most effective. Is this a, a philosophy issue for Russell? Why he's scrubbing them off IG, and all of a sudden he's not happy? Because it's money, Dave. It's all it's, it's all about money. money. I want a new contract. He's thirty four years old. He wants the golden parachute. He knows Mahomes is making forty five million. Right? He just saw Josh Allen get huge money. Russell's a really good player. He's a top-five quarterback, maybe a top-eight quarterback at times. I mean, he wants to get paid. He's only due to make $50 million, $53 million over the next two years. This is about money. This is green can solve the problem. Mm. Green stuff. You know, it's like I said to Patrick yesterday, if you've ever seen the movie Rounders and John Malkovich in the scene when he's playing KGB, pay the man his money. This is what he wants. <laughs> pay the man his money. When you look at he wants his money, well, and and he'll do he'll create whatever he has to create, as Johnny Sack said. You know he'll create an S storm that'll make it so bad, and I'm sure he's going to keep doing it. You know, and like I'm offended that he's off social media with the Seattle. I don't know. I'll, I'll try to sleep tonight. I will. I'll try. <laughs> It'll be devastating for me, but I'll try. You know. I, I mean, like seriously, does that really bother anybody? I mean, it's. it's I mean, it's here's comical. the facts. They need they they have to redo his contract. That'll make them happy. Then they can follow him on social media again, which is always so important. <laughs> but let's be real honest here. Their offense last year was not good. No, they were you know twenty third on third down. They were effective in the red zone. They were really good. But the losses you know in in Tuesday night the Los Angeles Rams game they had a chance. They turned the ball over in that game. Then they lose at home to the Bears when they had the big lead in the first half and lost that game to Nick Foles. Can you believe that? Mm-hmm. I mean, that one kills them. That's a killer. And then they win the final two games of the season rather convincingly. And they run the ball for basically 467 right. yards combined in those two games. So, you know, I, I mean, I, I think that they have to improve their team. Their defense was bad all year long. They made the move to get rid of Norton. They're going to change what they do defensively. A little bit of the, a little bit of the Vic Fangio scheme. A little bit of other things, kind of blending it all together to see what they come up with. But they need more talent. I mean, look, they paid dearly for Jamal Adams. Right. They paid dearly for him. I mean, and Pete came out at the end of the year saying he thinks it was a great trade. I disagree. I think it was a horrendous trade because you can't get your value back. He does it they, they, unless you blitz him. You can't get the value back on Jamal Adams. It's just a fact. 
He's a liability in pass coverage. And everybody in the league besides the, uh, the the media knows he's a liability in pass coverage. Oh, my. It's glaring when you watch it. That's for sure. So, Michael, let me put you either in the front office of D.C. I'll put you in the front office of New York with the Giants. Some teams reported to be interested in Russell would you make a? Would you give up three first rounders for him now at this stage at 34? I, I'm not saying the best football is behind him, but he, you know, maybe not the same exact guy. But I still think he's, to your point, a top 10 quarterback in the league. Is he worthy of three number ones if Seattle really wanted to flip the roster and start over? You know, when John Hadle got traded, he was 34 to the Packers, and they did the Packers did the, a trade with the uh, Los Angeles Rams for, a, they called it the Lawrence Wilk trade, a one and a two and a three, <laughs> you know, and, uh, you know, and, and Hado was a disaster. Hado had gotten traded the, the year before by the Chargers to the Rams for Toby Smith and another, another player. So the, the Packers in desperation mode, Dan Devine's last year in Green Bay overpaid. So could somebody pay three number ones that are desperate? Yeah, I, I think certainly somebody, if you're desperate enough, you will, but, you have to ask yourself the question, are, are you getting the same Russell Wilson that you're used to? I mean, last year he threw 25 touchdown passes. The year before he was at 40. You know, he was at 40 when they played really well and went 12-4. to four. You know, this year he threw a lot of interceptions. He didn't lead the team back, you know, typically like he did. I mean, last year, two, last year uh, I mean, he, when he threw 13 interceptions, that was the most he'd thrown in his career. Mm-hmm. This year he got it back down to six, but he didn't make plays down the field. So I would be hesitant to spend all that capital to, to do that. And, and I would be hesitant if I were Seattle to say, okay, what am I going to do with quarterback? Like, what am I going to do? Yeah, because Pete doesn't want to I mean, the rebuild. guy's been sacked over 400 times in his first 10 seasons. He's 427 times. You know, you've got to protect him better. No question. And he's been durable as hell. I mean, look, he only missed two games last year. Now, we know he came back too soon from the, from the wrist, from the thumb injury. But, I mean, the guy's durable as hell. He plays through it all. But I, I just feel like, to me, you, you know, I can't solve the riddle of who's going to play quarterback for Seattle if they trade him. And unless they get a quarterback back that they like, that they feel good about, you know, I mean, would they do it? Mm. Well, if this is the worst team in the NFC West, we mentioned the Rams at a plus price tag to come back and repeat just as division champs. We're not talking about Super Bowl champs. We're not talking about coming out of the NFC just to win that division. I think the AFC West and the NFC West on paper right now look like they could be the two most competitive top to bottom divisions. No doubt. Right? So with the Rams. No doubt. I mean, they got eight good teams in that division. There's no, I mean, even though Seattle was, wasn't very good last year, you know, and, and they struggled, but, but they're good. And Denver's the same thing. I mean, Denver's a quarterback away. You put a you put a quarterback on Denver. Now, the Raiders, they've got some areas they've got to fix. I mean, their team isn't great for, you know, they've got a good quarterback. They've got good, they've got a couple that Waller's really good, but they, they've, they've missed in the draft enough to where their team's just doesn't have enough depth in it. But for the most part, we know the Chargers are good. If the Chargers wouldn't go for it as much on fourth down, they'd be even better, <laughs> even though nobody thinks he made a mistake going for it one time on fourth down. <laughs> so, you know, that, that's a whole other doc. We could, we could spend a whole set on that. No doubt. The reality of it is, to me, is I think those are the, the two truly eight really good teams that will keep battling. And we saw that Sean McVay and Les Snead, they're not going to make the combine trip. They don't have any first-round picks. Does that surprise you at all that a GM and a head coach even no, though they I, I, 
I think people are backing out of the combine more and more because they can get everything done in their offices. And if you're behind like the Rams are, you're better off. You know, they need to get some, you know, they need to kind of get, well, the season, you go to the Super Bowl, it's a long year. You're kind of exhausted in February. You need to get recharge your battery. And they had plenty of time to catch up to it. Okay, very quickly, the, the reports of Sean McVay flirting, maybe networks were flirting with him. This isn't a burnout situation, is it to you? Do, do you see any parallels with Dick Vermeil? like people are making some of those comparisons? I, I don't. I, I think to me, you know, I think that the temptation, and I'm sure he got rewarded, but this money that they're paying for guys to do is sit in the broadcast booth is outrageous. Yeah. Sometimes it feels like kind of the easier gig. I mean, we'll find out the stresses of coaching versus going up there and, and being able to point out deficiencies instead of people looking at yours. Sometimes that's an easier way to go. All right, when we come back, Mike North is going to join us from Chicago. Can't wait to get his thoughts on Mitchell Trubisky and more. It is Visa, the Sports Betting Network. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. KFC chicken sandwich is served hot and straight from the fryer. That's why it's finger licking good. Order the KFC chicken sandwich today. Dave Ross alongside Michael Lombardi. This is the Lombardi line right here on VEASAN. It is always a pleasure to have Mike North. When I say Chicago radio personality, I mean personality. Follow him on Twitter at North to North. Mike, it's great to have you back on with Michael and myself. And I got to give you credit before we really look at the Bears and their offseason forecast here. You're one of the few guys that have been beating the drum repeatedly for Mitchell Trubisky to be a starting (laughs) quarterback in 2022 in the NFL. And I got to be honest with you, I didn't see it. We're starting to see that maybe the Washington football team, if they can't get an Aaron Rodgers, if they can't get a Russell Wilson, might be actively looking at Mitchell Trubisky as the next starting quarterback. We've heard whispers about the Pittsburgh Steelers. Mike, what do you think in Trubisky 2.0, why he would be a capable starting quarterback elsewhere? Well, you know what? And First of all, it's great to be on with you guys again. Good to talk to you and Mike. Uh, I, I will say this, that, that – uh, the I told you so isn't ever going to be a, a receipt that I cash because uh, I watched him play. Uh, I've, I've been found the NFL for over, almost 60 years. I, I saw what I saw. I saw him go 29 and 21. Uh, I think uh, a lot of teams are seeing what's coming out of the draft. Uh, I think he did a wise move by trying to restructure his career by going to Buffalo. 
Uh, I see where Dable's not going to uh, uh, put the fifth-year extension in for, for Danny Dimes or the Giants. Uh, I see Pittsburgh interested in him, and he's going up at 40-1 to to take the first snap for them. Uh, the Washington Redskins, uh, Rivera, former Chicago Bear, uh, if you want uh, not Rivera, yeah, uh, mm-hmm. is one of those guys uh, that, that uh, knows about Mitch. He's a winner. Uh, he appeared in two playoff games in four years, the same amount as uh, Cutler did in eight years. Cutler was 57 and 57. They gave him uh, 118 million. Um, Trubisky, uh, uh, with a coach that uh, now we all know in 2019 refused to meet with him because Trubisky said, "I got some ideas that I'd like to incorporate with your ideas that would make us only better." He refused to do that. Uh, he uh, turned a cold uh, eye away from Allen Robinson. Uh, Allen Robinson and Trubisky both uh, combined for 200 uh, receptions as, as a tandem over the last two years. So, yeah, there's a lot of good stuff. But the national media bought into what the beer media was saying and what Matt Nagy was saying, and they were calling the guy with these kind of stats a bust. He's not a bust. He's sought after by four or five teams right now. Well, I, I think, Mike, you look at I've been, Mike, I have been the biggest. Um, in fact, I was told not to come to Chicago when Trubisky was winning because I might get lynched because I never bought Trubisky. I've never bought Trubisky. Seriously, I've never bought him. I think he is, I, I think, you know, he was Mr. Ohio in the state of Ohio. Uh, Ohio mm-hmm. State offered him to play safety. They didn't want him to play quarterback. He went to North Carolina, uh, couldn't play quarterback for there for three years, started one season, pace goes and ridiculously trades up for a guy that's mm-hmm. the second best player in the in the ACC behind Deshaun Watson. So that's all water under the bridge. But to me, right. I think that th- this is th- this is and, and Chicago was high on him. You were high on him. Chicago was high on him. And and after a, f- a few times, and I and I I'm with you. I don't know whether it's Nagy never improving mm-hmm. the kid or if the kid wasn't able to get improved. So I'll, I'll grant that. But I I could sense that Washington or another team is going to look at Trubisky's record, as you cited so perfectly, and think that they could actually turn him around and build something around him, understanding his limitations. The one thing I think we have to realize is all quarterbacks have limitations. Absolutely. But I would also say this, Michael. Uh, He's as good as Darnold. He's as good as Jones. Uh, he's as good as a lot of quarterbacks starting in the league right now. So um, when I say that, I say that because last year I heard, well, he's not good enough to be a starter. No, he went to clean up a bad thing that happened to him, a, a saboteur as his head coach, for God's sake. I mean, calling the plays for a guy that you don't really believe in, yet he saves your job the last year he starts, wins four out of the last five games, okay, and then – he just says to him, we don't want you. Uh, he was a bad guy. Everybody in Chicago starting to realize it now. Some of the players are starting to come out about him now. And yet, you know, he falls back with the Kansas City Chiefs. And I've often said this, Mike, when you have legs as a quarterback, Patrick Mahomes is one of the few running quarterbacks that won a Super Bowl. But if you took his legs and said you no longer – are a running quarterback that can throw the football as good as anybody. you got to stay in the pocket, and you can't move except three feet left, three feet right, three feet back. I think you'd see a lot of quarterbacks 
who are buying time now with their legs and are so good because they were like that in the college game, that still can't read defenses, that still panic in situations like Mahomes did this year. The thing that has saved Mahomes is he shocked the world and won the first time. But I often hearken back to saying that Aaron Rodgers won a Super Bowl 11 years ago, and they're still waiting for that second one. So, you know what? It remains to be seen what's going to happen with Mitch, but I know this. Whether I know it or you know it or anybody else, the Pittsburgh Steelers seem to be interested. The Washington Redskins seem to be interested. And I do believe it's because of the lack of talent coming into the NFL from the college game. And I also believe people are taking a second look and seeing what he did. He threw six touchdowns in one game. How many quarterbacks have done that? Absolutely, Mike. And again, you look at the Bears now. After we'll find out where Mitchell Trubisky lands. We know the Bears have landed on Justin Fields. They're eighty to one to win the Super Bowl next year. Thirty-five to one to win the NFC. Look, maybe obviously struggle, growing pains, rookie year, and now you have a new regime change there in Chicago. What do you expect from Justin Fields in year two? And if Aaron Rodgers leaves Green Bay, do you take a flyer on the Bears and their their overall roster to maybe surprise people and win this division somehow? Absolutely not. Darnell Mooney today has been really anointed their number one receiver. He's a number, a good number two, although he had a breakout year. He had 83 catches, tough guy. He's going to be replacing Allen Robinson, who only had 32 catches with Fields last year. Uh, we're hoping that Fields can be 500. But basically, guys, I'm not going to say we went from a Cadillac to a Volkswagen Rabbit. Uh, but we got rid of a guy that we were win- we were we got rid of a guy we were winning with. Nothing against Justin Fields, but the rest of the team needs upgrading. Mike, you know this as well as anybody. You know what? You need a football team around you. And I do know this about Michael Lombardi because I'm a student of the game. If he had a quarterback that was 29 and 21 with a receiver tandem of him and Robinson that caught 200 passes in two the last two years. He wouldn't be on another team. That's my opinion. Maybe I'm wrong. Well, uh, you would be wrong on Trubisky. There's no way I would have had him. But but I think your point's well taken. I, I think that, you know, this offensive line has been a disaster under the Ryan Great. Pace administration for so long that, that it, it does give some sense of credibility to the argument that Trubisky didn't have a fair chance because this line is horrible. They have three free agents. I mean, they signed Jason Peters to be the left tackle, you know, uh, because mm-hmm. Jenkins was injured and everybody knew he was going to get hurt. So there's a lot of work to do in this building. There's a lot of work to do. Hakeem Hicks is, to me, once a dominant defensive tackle. He's he's a free agent. And really, the, the, the other question mark on this Bear team that you have to be concerned about is is how good is Khalil Mack now? He's over 30. Yeah. He doesn't look like the same player. I don't think he's very good. I don't think he's the same guy. Let's remember, 2016, he was the, the defensive MVP. That's a long time ago in football years, number one. Number two, with all the shortcomings you listed, Trubisky was 29 and 21. So he's going to a team, and last year was unbelievable. It's the only preseason game that ever meant anything to anybody. When Buffalo came to Chicago, and Trubisky and the Buffalo Bills embarrassed the Chicago Bears and Nagy. Granted, only a preseason game, but Buffalo didn't treat it that way. And uh, I think that was a wake-up call for some people. That, In fact, I was at an, a, a remote um, and it was a quiet place because the Bears were watching, the Bear fans were watching a guy that they were told couldn't play. Even though it's a preseason game, riddle them uh, all the way up and down the field. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens. I do know this whatever team he lands on is a starter. 
I'll take the over. Wow. By the way, the Bears are plus 650 to win the North next year. The Packers still the favorite here, uh, minus 155. He's not going anyway. Aaron Rodgers is going anywhere. Hey, Mike, real quick. Real quick, did you see see, uh, Billy Donovan's comments about the Bulls, how they're just not battle-tested enough last night? Yes, I did, Mike, and I'll tell you this. Uh, You guys, every ball last night, there was a ball that was on the floor. Butler, Dolfort, Levine didn't. And that's basically wow. what we're talking about here. Uh, you know, a tougher type of team uh, played against the Bulls last night. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, wow. Mike, really Great appreciate point, it. Mike. Yeah, we always love having you on Thank again. You uh, north to North, check him out. Uh, Chicago sports personality, I would say. Always love having Mike on the program. Uh, when we come back here, I'm going to have Lorenzo Alexander join us. Bills Mafia, rejoice. Yeah, we're going to talk some Bills football and then some. Come on back, it's Feasting, the Sports Betting Network. you need to bet the madness this year with 24-7 streaming daily best bet emails our tournament betting guide including advice data and strategy for only $19 whether you're filling out a bracket or betting against the spread our team is here to get you ready for every game and every round of the tournament get analysis from our experts including Greg Hoops Peterson on every key team conference and player to watch from the favorites to the potential Cinderella sign up today to get the betting guide plus full access to VEASAN through April 5th for only $19 at VEASAN.com slash madness. Dave Ross alongside Michael Lombardi, the Lombardi line right here on VEASAN. And, Michael, you know how it is. I moved out here to Las Vegas, and sometimes you get people to come out to Vegas, and you try to get together and see old friends, right? I had a buddy of mine, Chick Hernandez from D.C., came out, and we went out and, and had dinner. It was lovely. Our next guest, Lorenzo Alexander, then put me on blast for saying, oh, Chick comes out, and you meet up with him. I come out to Vegas, and we don't get together. And that's what I get. He's out here going to boxing matches. He's gallivanting all across town, Michael. And for whatever reason, we couldn't meet up. And then it's my fault. Let's bring in the one-man gang himself. And, of course, two-time Pro Bowl linebacker Lorenzo Alexander, formerly of the Buffalo Bills. There he is right there, cow guy, smart guy. So, so I apologize that we didn't get together. But you know it's, it's not. It's all good. I mean, it's, Don't worry about it. Yeah, I'm worried about it, as you can tell, obviously. <laughs> but it is great to have you back at the program. Look, when you look at the Buffalo Bills right now, plus 750 to win the Super Bowl next year uh, and only 4-1 to odds to win the AFC. You were there with Sean McDermott. You were part of the culture change and kind of you saw Josh Allen from day one to where he is now. Those 13 seconds, you can't get those back against the Chiefs. Right. I get that. How do they get over that mentally and get to where the odds makers believe they can get to next year? Uh, they just continue to do what they've done in the past. Uh, this is not the first, you know, heartfelt loss. Obviously, it's unique in the way it happened. But they haven't won the Super Bowl. Last year, they went to the AFC Championship as well and lost. Um, and what did they do? They put their heads down and went to work. Obviously, Brandon Bean and, and the whole um, – uh, front office as far as the scouting department did a really good job in the offseason as far as bringing in some young talent, signing some free agent players that helped him, and he'll continue to do that. That's the next phase of this thing. And then they're moving to OTAs and trying to rebuild this team 
uh, because each year is its own unique uh, experience. And so they'll come together starting in, what is it, April now, and put the work in, um, uh, workouts, OTAs, and the mini camps, and then transition to training camp where Sean will be able to establish his culture with the new guys. Obviously, it's been, what, five or six years now that he's been there, and so it'll be easy to onboard all those new guys. And, you know, it's, you're always going to have ebbs and flows. They lost, obviously, Brian Dable. They lost some other key players in that organization. But that culture is so strong, the people that rise up within the ranks as far as coaches as players, um, I think will continue to carry that torch. And as long as you have uh, 17, you know, at the helm, they're going to have a great chance of, of, of returning back to the AFC Championship and winning it. Uh, Lorenzo, let's, you know, you were one of the, you know, you obviously did a great job rushing the passer, but early in your career, you played a lot of the kicking games. You were a, a really a top blue chip level kicking game uh, special teams player. 13 right. seconds left to go. Uh, they kicked it out of bounds. Did you, they kicked it through the end zone. I mean, I get it if Tyreek right. Hill was back there, but you had to be going crazy. Like, let's get the ball <laughs> into Pringles' hands and take our right. chances. Don't you agree? Yeah, I mean, I agree, and I think they agree kind of looking back. You know, hindsight is 20-20. There's a lot of communication that goes on the sideline, and unfortunately they weren't able to execute. Even after that, you know, uh, you know, decision as far as not squibbing or squibbing occurred, uh, they still had 13 seconds to play some defense, but they, they didn't. And I think they, they're owning up to it. You, there's no shoulda, coulda, wouldas. Yeah, we can arm, you know, armchair quarterback on Monday morning. Uh, but you got to move forward. You know, uh, everybody has those hardship uh, losses in their lifetime. And, and the greatest thing you can do is learn from them and not repeat them down the road because they will have other opportunities in crunch time moments like this. And you hope that they grow from this moment and so that it doesn't occur again and, and doesn't cost them another opportunity um, down the road. All right, talking with the one-man gang himself, Lorenzo Alexander. And so you and I talked on draft night when you were still with the Buffalo Bills and they drafted Josh Allen. And to see his maturation process from there to where it is now. Now he's the odds-on favorite to be the MVP next year at 7-1 over Patrick Mahomes, yeah. over Aaron Rodgers, the two-time defending MVP. Most guys don't get more accurate. Is he more accurate now, or is it to Michael's point they're utilizing him the right way, which is almost like a single wing guy? Yeah, I mean it's a combination of things, but I, I would definitely say he's more accurate. I mean the numbers say that he is. You know, he's had a big jump in the balls down the field. Obviously having better receivers, right? You think about bringing in Diggs and, and the burdens of Davis and Cole Beasley and, and Isaiah McKenzie, um, all Sanders bringing those guys in. That definitely helps, right? When you have better weapons on the outside, it makes you more accurate because those guys are able to come down with the ball. But I say since he's gotten in the league, he's have he's he's been very humble and has faced all the criticism with humility and in the offseason goes out there with Jordan Palmer and, and, and several other quarterbacks around the league and works on his craft. He's not satisfied just with being in the league and being one of the top-tier quarterbacks now. And I guarantee you he'll be out there in L.A. this summer working on the things that he, he can continue to improve on. And that's what he's been able to do uh, throughout this time um, in the league. And so can you become more accurate? Yes, if you work at it, if you put the, the work into it, if you 
are very critical of yourself and, and then go out there and execute at a high level based on the work you put in the summer. So I think it's a combination of his work ethic, you know, starting there, and then obviously Brandon Bean um, getting better weapons around him and, and obviously what David was able to do with them schematically, put him in great positions to, to go out there and, and understand uh, from a mental standpoint where he's not thinking so much but just reacting and making the right decisions that also adds to you being an accurate quarterback. Lorenzo, you live in the, I think you live in the Valley of the Sun now in Phoenix. What yeah. was your reaction to the manifesto, or which I call a <laughs> ransom letter done by Kyler Murray? <laughs> it, it's, it's part of the process. It doesn't surprise me at all, right? He is uh, now eligible to receive a deal, and this is the way him and his team have decided to go about um, orchestrating a, a, a new deal. Um, obviously, he is a great talent. He does have um, some, some, um, I guess, deficiencies in this game uh, that he needs to continue to work on. But at the end of the day, uh, this game is is 100% risk as far as getting injured. It's not very long. Most guys aren't fortunate to play six, seven, eight years. And so if you have the time and the leverage to strike, you want to utilize that the same way that organizations do that with guys uh, when they cut them or ask them to go and renegotiate their deal or take the vet minimum or take a home down discount. And so it's just part of the business. Um, obviously, it doesn't. Hopefully, it doesn't become personal, um, because when that occurs, then it lingers into the season and, and the ability for the teams and the player to kind of collectively work together to ultimately win a championship. Hey, we were there in D.C., though. I never forget it. Your last time there before you were going on and really started a whole second career for you once you left Washington, D.C. I'm going to put you back in that organization, whether you want to be or not, for this next question. What are they going to do at quarterback? Because we're hearing, you know, maybe Mitchell Trubisky, maybe going to get maybe Aaron Rodgers, maybe Russell Wilson, they can pull that off. Is this team a quarterback away for Ron Rivera? What would you do there if you were back in D.C.? Yeah, I mean, obviously the quarterback play is going to elevate that team. I mean, they have pieces in place when you look on the offensive side with running back and Terry McLaurin and Logan Thomas coming back next year. I think the defense is pretty solid. Obviously, I think they want to be more consistent. Uh, hopefully, they're able to get Chase Young back, who's coming off a knee injury, so we don't know what he's going to look like. But they have players in peace where – uh, adding an elite quarterback with the guys, you know, obviously Aaron Rodgers uh, to the, you know, and Russell Wilson, lesser to an extent when you talk about Trubisky. But if you can get some more consistent play there, the NFC East is not a hard division to win. Uh -huh. um, and so if they can figure out to win two or three more games, they can find themselves a division winner and and, and in the wild card berth. And so it's, it's it's potentially there. I don't know if you want to give up the draft picks for an Aaron Rodgers or a uh, Russell Wilson, though, because I don't know if they're re ready to win a Super Bowl with that roster, even if you add one of those quarterbacks uh, to the team. you got to think with that defense, the way they have underachieved, that you're right. I mean, everybody thinks they're an elite defense, but when you watch them, do you see an elite defense? They have the capabilities of it. And I think you, losing Chase Young last year, who is really the bell cow, he is the glue, even though he's a first-round pick. The way he – his energy and passion and on the sidelines, getting guys ready to play, his competitive nature, I think really uh, impacts and influences other guys to raise their game. And so they need, need him back out there. Um, obviously, they need to shore up some other areas consistently. But when you have a D-line in the way they have – um, they have the ability to go out there and be dominant because I really truly believe, you know, my, my days I started in the trenches. And if you're strong and dominant in the trenches, you can go out there and win a lot of games and be very productive on defense with maybe some 
you know, below average or average players on the back end because the defense is impacting the run game and also impacting the quarterback on every single down. And so they have the makings. They just have to go out there and play consistently. But I definitely think having Chase Young back is, is vital to that success on defense because they were dominant the year before, I thought. All right. I only got about 25 seconds, though. Very quickly. You NFLPA, can you fix overtime? Can you get in there and get to the competition committee and fix overtime rules? Nah, man, I'm, I'm fine with the way they are. Like I said, <laughs> Me man, too. the defense is out there playing. They had a chance to stop them. I think we saw the Cincinnati Bengals do it, right? So, hey, it, it's, it's possible. Go out there, play great D, get the ball back for your O, and do your job. Love you, love you both, but you're both wrong on that one. There he is, the one-man <laughs> gang, Lorenzo Alexander, everybody. Come on back. Mike and I are going to wrap up the Lombardi line right here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks, unleashes the spirit of Las Vegas with BetMGM Rewards. Every time you make a wager at BetMGM, you can earn BetMGM Rewards points that you can redeem for online bonus credits like free bets and risk-free tokens. Planning a trip to Vegas? Well, you can convert your BetMGM points into MGM Rewards points that you can use towards dining shows and hotel rooms at over 20 MGM Resorts properties located on the Las Vegas Strip and nationwide. BetMGM Rewards is sports betting's premier loyalty program featuring exclusive office, include incredible experiences, rather, and valuable perks. Whether you wager on BetMGM app, just sign up with BetMGM or log on today to get an even bigger piece of the action with BetMGM rewards. Eligibility restrictions to apply. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Please gamble responsibly. If you have a problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Wrapping things up here in the Lombardi line with Mike Lombardi. I am Dave Ross here at South Point Casino in Las Vegas. It was great having Lorenzo Alexander on the program right there at the end. I asked the one-man gang about the overtime rules. He is in unison with you, Michael. No change is necessary. Let the defense go out there and get the job done. But my old buddy Mark Maskey, still writing for the Washington Post, he says, and I quote, there's no question, Michael, that the NFL's competition committee will consider modifying the league's overtime rules after the anticlimactic ending of the epic divisional round game between the Bills and the Chiefs. It's so interesting to me that they were using that game as the impetus to potentially switch this rule. I didn't hear anybody clamoring about it in the Super Bowl when the Patriots got the ball first after their dramatic comeback against the Falcons and go on to win there. 
Is it just a matter of that people thought the wrong team won, and that's why we're switching the rule? I don't have a problem with the overtime rule in the postseason. I have it in the regular season. No ties is my stance. You know, I, I, you know, but then you have to factor in player safety here, right? I mean, the more you play, the more the, the opportunity, especially when teams are exhausted, that's when injuries seem to mount the most. And, you know, to me, the Bills game and the overtime rules in the Bills game is was the Bills' fault. I mean, they should never have been there. Like I said to Lorenzo, they should have kicked it in play. Right. That would have taken six seconds or five seconds off. Now Mahomes has only got the ball. They played off coverage on two downs, and they let him get into field goal range. I mean, they have nobody to blame but themselves. I mean, that's really what it is. And Kansas City had no one to blame but themselves when they didn't get the ball because it was they had three third and tens. They couldn't stop them. Slant, uh, inside route to Edelman. Another inside route to Edelman. Slant to Gronk. Game over, you know? And so... You got to at some point the defense has got to assume liability here too. So, look, we can kick it around. I, I think at ten minutes it's fine, and I think if you really care about player safeties, you don't want the game to go on and on and on. And frankly, during the regular season, you know, a tie is fine because I, I rather have the players stay healthy than keep trying to play just to see who gets that half point. Yeah, I, I understand that. It's just it's to me, and again, the player safety aspect is one that as a non-player. And you, you as an executive would know that if it, it shows that, look, these guys are tired, it's now a fifth quarter, that's where you could add, it could lead to more injuries. I understand that aspect of it, totally do. Um, I just wish there was a way, even in the time allotted, that they could, for, you know, just to have a conclusion is all I'm asking for in the regular season. Now, how you can do that well, in the 10-minute fashion, I don't know. I think then you're layering in the 17 games now. Right, so now we've added a game, and now you want to add more time into the play. Like, how many more plays do these players want to right. play? For me, if I were part of the NFLPA, I would say to the teams, "Look, during a regular 16-game season, you know, Akeem Hicks for the Chicago Bears, when he's healthy, he plays 900 plays. That's the most amount of plays he should play in a 17-game season. Now you got to substitute him. It's like a hockey game; you got to substitute him. You got to limit his time. They do it in basketball." Right, you know, you can't play Joel Embiid 40, 45 minutes every night. You got to right. limit his playtime. You got to space it. It's, most sports do that. That's why they're able to play more games. And so, for me, I, the last thing I want to do as somebody who's writing rules for the league is to add more plays. We've added too many plays. Seventeen games. People are complaining about. Now people want to change the overtime rules so both teams get the ball, but nobody mentions player safety. Right. Nobody even talks about it. And at the end of the game, every player is exhausted. They're done. They're spent. That's why, you know, you couldn't stop them. Whoever won the toss in the regulation was probably going to win the game. And so, you know, Baltimore decided to go for two. They were exhausted. They knew they couldn't play. And, you know, and, and Lamar doesn't get the ball to the flat, and Pittsburgh wins that game. Okay, they took their chances. They took their chances because they knew if they lost the toss, they were too exhausted to keep playing, so they went for the win. That's an interesting theory, and I have heard some people saying, again, the competition committee, they are going to look at this overtime rule. And again, Lorenzo Alexander, who we just had on, he's part of the NFLPA. We kind of got his stance on it that he doesn't think there really needs to be any change. I, I have heard people say, okay, instead of the arbitrary coin toss to decide it, have another fa- – like I think, I think he just illustrated a great point why John Harbaugh went for it. And it didn't come up for him when he went for it against the Steelers and they lost that game. 
But maybe he thought, hey, my Humphreys was hurt. His corner was hurt. If they don't win the coin toss, they're not going to get the stop. All those things factor in. Is there another determining factor instead of a coin toss then that we can almost afford the team to get possession first, whether it's, I don't know if you want to go by offensive stat or what, uh, you know, what merit system you'd want to apply to give, make a team earn that first possession in overtime. Is there another way to well, do that? I, mean, I don't think there is. I mean, I think the coin toss is fair. You let the visiting team call it. And I think the other thing that's fair is the fact that, look, Kansas City had to got the ball in overtime in a game against the, against, against the Bengals. And they turned it. I mean, Mahomes threw three of the worst passes, I think. If you were to honestly ask him, Patrick, give me your three worst passes in, in your career, college, high school, going back. I think those three passes in overtime would, would qualify. Yeah. The first pass was ridiculously overthrown. I mean, Andy Reid couldn't have caught it. It was so overthrown. <laughs> the second pass was four feet behind the receiver. It was almost intercepted. And the third pass, he threw in a double coverage, and it got intercepted. So, like, at some point, why do we keep having to change the rules when it's the defense's job to make a play or the defensive coordinator call the right scheme? Get a holding call. Blitz the guy. Make a negative play. Do something. But I think there's certain points in the game where you're sitting there watching the game saying, look, fellas, if we don't win this game here and we lose the toss, it's over. You know, now for me, oftentimes I want to keep perpetuating the game going forward and not lose it on one play. But I, I see the logic in it. I definitely see the logic. Like, I wouldn't have agreed with John Harbaugh, but I get it. I understand it. Yeah, it is a, it's fascinating. Again, they are going to have this conversation. Again, I always go back to Matt Hasselback, Seattle Green Bay playoff. We're going to get the ball. We're going to score. I think it was Sam Shields took it the other way, game over. Uh, let's talk about some teams very quickly here, Michael, in the last couple minutes we have here on this edition of the Lombardi Line. Maybe worst-to-first scenarios, because there are a couple that I look at, and I want to start off in the NFC, and you look at the Giants, Lions, Panthers, and Seahawks, and they've got long odds. Now, not the longest. The Lions are the longest at plus 800. We'll find out what happens there in Rodgers. It is Seattle at plus 500. I can't imagine yeah. Pete Carroll trades away Russell Wilson like we talked about earlier in the program. To me, there feels like there's some value there. Is there anybody else here on this list that you would like, or is it Seattle for you too? Well, I mean, look, Carolina was 3-0 and last year, you know, and Darnold was actually playing pretty good. And he obviously didn't play very good. Then they lose McCaffrey. And their defense, which was playing really good early, fell apart. If, if they're, and, and now that you look at the NFC South with Brady gone in Tampa, mm. you know, who's quarterbacking? No Sean Payton in New Orleans, Atlanta. I mean, there's a really good opportunity, I think, for, for Carolina to go from worst to first in their, conf, in their division. I mean, because I'm not sure it's a good division. You know, would I be saying that if Carolina was in the, in the West? Of course not. You know, would I be saying that if they were in the East? Probably not. But, I mean, in the South, I think we'll be the weakest division. I think something, when we get to the over-unders, whatever teams from the AFC play the South in, com in complete order, you might want to bet they're over. Boy, I got burned Because last I think it's a really good opportunity because this is not going to be the best and the brightest. I mean, Matt Ryan gets another year. I mean, Atlanta is, is really not a very talented team. Carolina's got talent defensively. They've got to fix their offensive line. And Ben McAdoo, the new offense coordinator, has got to fix the offense. He's got to get better production out of Darnold. All those things are really challenging. Don't get me wrong. But he's going to have to try to do it. But he could easily go up there. I mean, they beat New Orleans earlier in the year. 
They, they beat Atlanta. You know, now they've never been able to beat Tampa Bay, but that's with Brady and everybody. I, I think Carolina, if they have a good draft, a good offseason, they can improve themselves tremendously. And in the, in, the, in the South, where there's really not a lot of great teams because Brady leaving and Sean Payton leaving gives them an opportunity. All right, NFC West plays the NFC South this year. Very quickly, in about 45 seconds, Michael, the elephant in the room there is Sam Darnold if you're going to back the Panthers next yeah. year. We thought Joe Brady was going to fix him. Joe Brady is no longer there. Can McAdoo fix him? Is he fixable? Well, he's got to fix the turnovers, and they've got to be able to run the ball, and they've got to get more physical. I mean, they, they were going sideways, and what they have to do more than anything is they have to re, to make McCaffrey more of an accessory, not their offense. Because when they lose him, they lose their offense, and they always lose him. So you're back to square one. You need to blend him in, not feature him. Yeah, no question about it. Michael, always enjoy the chats, my friend. Uh, thanks to Lorenzo Alexander, Mike North, and Will Hill for joining us. Michael and I back at it tomorrow, right back here in the Lombardi line on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.